Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Maybe gun control is not the answer. We all know that it is, but maybe it's not. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am John R. Bray. And I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I am also sick. So I apologize for the fact that I sound terrible. But if it's any consolation, I feel worse. So it's a pretty solid start to the week. It's an interesting, it adds an an interesting dynamic, a dimension to your accent, actually. Does it really? Is is it a good dimension? (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting (laughs) dimension. (laughs) It's, it's, ter- I've, and I think it was last night or something. I tweeted that I've entered that phase where now I just stuff tissues into my nostrils because I've just, I, I can't, I can't keep blowing it. I just can't do it. It hurts. It gets to the point where it hurts. Yeah. It's just raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you throwing tissues around like your, your child? Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. like rubbing them into the carpet. So they stick in place trying to compete. But he's not sick. I'm reasonably sure I got it from him. But fortunately, he is not sick, which is which is good. That's good. I guess. I don't know. But uh, we're not going to have an episode about sickness. No. Consider- considering last week we had an episode about health. I'm pretty sure this is the universe's way of punishing me for d- discussing my Your green first smoothie. six weeks of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about the school shooting in Florida and school shootings in general and the absurdity of this country and what it's like to have kids in school during and after these situations. Because I think anyone who has a child that's on their mind right now. Yeah. Honestly, regardless of where you sit in the gun debate, that's on your mind right now is, you know, how do you talk to your kids about it? What do you do? There's no good answer. You know, um, Lita is a little bit insulated from, she's not on Twitter, and I don't know what her friends are saying on Snapchat, but we don't watch television either. So in terms of like the constant feed of news and information about this, I think she's a little bit isolated from that. Which is good. It's good. Well, sort of, I guess. You know, I asked her if they do active shooter drills. I guess that's what it's called active intruder drills because because they do they do these drills at uh, marlowe school i'm on the sec the school community council there and they routinely do these drills where if there is an intruder there is a systematic way of locking the doors and putting a, a black piece of paper over the window and then all the kids go to the back of the room and get under the desks and all the doors to the school are locked except the front door so everybody has to come through the front door yep but Lita has not done a, a shooter drill at her school. They've ne- they've never done one. Just fire drills. Never. Never. Are they in the same district? They are. That's. Super I think weird. it's an individual's. Well, it's supposed to be a school wide thing, but it's very, like, 
I hate to say this. Like, I hate that I have to say they need to be doing these drills. I hate that I have to say that. Like, I hate to say that I'm glad that Mar- <laughs> I'm glad that my child's being prepared for the possibility of someone breaking into her school with a gun. It's absurd that I need to call Lita's school and and understand their policies or advocate for policies about this sort of scenario happening. It's absurd that we have to feel good about there being active shooter drills. Mm-hmm. That's what's totally fucked up. Like I'm, I'm with you 100%. I don't know. They don't call them active shooter in, in my district. Uh, I don't remember what they call them. Intruder. It's Intruder, I think, is the word. Okay. Well, I know just because <laughs> last week at Lexton School, they had, he just, he gets in the car and I was like, oh, how was your day? He's like, oh, good. We had a shelter in place today. It's a shelter in place. It's like, well, it's when they you shut the doors because something happened. And that's all he knows. Like, he was given no other information. So I'm asking him questions like, did the teachers keep teaching? Did they block the windows? Did you have to hide? And he said, no, a shelter in place is they just lock all the doors. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's, I said, well, maybe it was a drill. He's like, no, I don't, I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Then it's two hours later that I get a message that, oh, no, it's, it was real. It was a thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do you, do people take it seriously? And without even skipping a beat, he said, oh yeah, everybody freaks out. But they're still teaching. They're still teaching under the circumstances. I, I mean, maybe when you're in second grade, you can just lock the door and keep teaching. But when you're teaching middle schoolers, they know that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can't expect them to sit there and just keep learning days after another school had a shooting like the the trauma of of i mean well first of all i the absurdity that lita's school doesn't have these drills in place they have had two lockdowns since she's been attending and one of the lockdowns occurred when i was out of town on business and she was staying with my mother <laughs> and i got an email about the lockdown and that there had been a serious threat on Facebook towards the school from one of the students. My mother, you know, I forwarded the email to my mother, but the absurdity that they don't have some system in place, especially given that this has happened. Did you have like tornado drills when you were um, in elementary school? We did. I don't know if they were in elementary because we never really get, I mean, in Northern Michigan, it wasn't really a thing, but I feel like we started having them a little later just because the district wanted to join most of the country, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you'd get under the desk or, I mean, we had fire drills, obviously, where you evacuate, you get in line, you know, you're used to practicing those, but it's. Well, yeah. So uh, we had tornado drills all probably every month growing up in elementary school because tornadoes were so frequent. Tennessee. Um, yeah. 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 Like, I think we've discussed we've discussed my sort of obsession with tornadoes growing up because one hit about a mile from my home and the sirens were going off and I didn't understand what was going on and you know it was it was extraordinarily scary experience so scary that I learned that storms move from west to east and so Oh, I remember you saying this, yeah. Yeah, I like I, wherever I go, I immediately <laughs> it's this instinctual thing to figure out what's north south east east and west because 
this was so ingrained in me, like the tornadoes are coming from that direction. So you need to be watching in that direction. That was sort of your exactly mindset. Okay. And these drills, we, they would march us out into the hallway and we would crouch down and, you know, cover our head, our heads with our hands. And we sort of crouch down and on like a little fetal position, just in an, a, a row along the wall. I, it was extraordinarily scary for me. And I became obsessed with the idea of tornadoes. And thank God this, these, these shootings weren't going on when I was a kid, because I, I can't imagine that I would have been able to overcome that obsession of like, I'm going to, if I, I'm going to go, going to go to school and someone's going to break in and shoot. Right. These, that children are living with this nightmare of a possibility. But we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing these students from this school specifically saying, okay, no, you messed with the wrong school. You messed with the wrong school. We're going to do something about it. And I think we are seeing a watershed moment here with those kids and the call to action that they have set in motion. I hope so. Honestly, Uh, there's no sign of them backing down at all. No. Despite the fact that they went through this horrible event, seeing friends and classmates and teachers killed in their school, and they're now being attacked for being paid puppets of the Democratic Party. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I don't... You think it can't get crazier, and then it gets crazier. Like, this is like the craziest... Right. This is the craziest fucking shit. Like, you are claiming that someone who has just been through possibly the most traumatic event in their life in their young 17 years of life watching watching and witnessing their friends die hoping that they don't die themselves and you're accusing them of of uh spreading propaganda basically (laughs) yeah yeah it's just even if you could get yourself to the mindset of okay maybe Maybe gun control is not the answer. We all know that it is, but maybe it's not. <laughs> we all do know Let, that it is. Let's just try it. And if it's not the answer, we'll know. But the reality is that I, I believe there are people out there who know it is the right answer, and they, they just don't want to lose their toys. And there are responsible gun owners. I'm not... Everyone who who believes that there should be tighter regulations acknowledges that fact. They know that there are responsible gun owners. But unfortunately, in a society, you have to cater to the lowest denominator. There was a um, a forensic psychologist on um, NPR this morning who spent several years talking with the shooter from uh, the. Do you remember the theater shooter in Colorado? Yes. So there was a a forensic psychologist who spent years talking to him and breaking him down and dissecting, you know, the why of what he did, you know, and he, what what was interesting about what he said was, you know, people take comfort in the fact that, okay, so he broke up with his girlfriend and that was a reason, or he was depressed and that was a reason, or he had, if, if somebody went bankrupt and that's a reason, or someone has, you know, um, a really bad day at work. That's a reason. He said, except that those aren't reasons because people experience those losses all of the time and they don't go shoot up a theater. 
Right. Like mm-hmm. every second, those things And he happen. said, really what, what has struck him most about these, these conversations around this issue, everybody always jumps to mental health. And I have, so I'm going to launch into this really quickly. <laughs> so no, he, do. He, he said, everybody launches into talking about mental illness being the cause of this. And he said, I am far, far less worried. He said, actually, violent crime in those who are mentally ill is very, is very little. He said, I'm far, far more worried about the disgruntled ex-husband or the volatile coworker or the angry, angry uh, domestic abuser. He said, I'm far more worried for the safety of my friends and family by those people than I am by somebody who is depressed. I, I loved that he said that because I've, I've worked with several mental health organizations and whenever these shootings happen, like we all brace for, oh, well, we need to take care of him. He's mentally ill. You know, he, that, that he gets labeled as mentally ill and we, and, this is the reality of of mental illness in this country and the state of mental health i have insurance i have quality insurance it's extraordinarily expensive but it has no mental health coverage whatsoever none zero there is no so everything you get for you and your girls is out of pocket. Well, completely. they they cover prescriptions. They do not cover therapy. They don't cover psychiatry. Okay. And I, there's some stuff that has happened recently. I won't go into any details, but I called my psychiatrist and asked him for a referral for a pediatric psychiatrist. And his secretary called me back and she's like, She's like, I hate to tell you this, but there is at least, at the minimum, a six-month waiting period for every pediatric psychiatrist that we know. A six-month waiting period. And if there isn't a, a waiting period, most pediatric psychiatrists aren't taking on new clients because their their roster is so full. <laughs> six months doesn't really work no. when you have... When you have Mental a desperate, when you're, when you're in desperate, dark waters, six months is not really an option. And so when people talk about, well, you know, he's mentally ill and we, we need to take care of that aspect of things. Okay, so let's address this. Six-month waiting period for a child who is extraordinarily disgruntled with life. And, <laughs> and luckily, my psychiatrist is willing to see my child. And I will pay through the nose for it as well. Right. And so this discussion about m- mental illness and I, lumping it all into that, that's what I see a lot of Second Amendment rights advocates lumping it into, well, he's, you know, he's a sick person. And that's just not the reason. That's just not the reason why these people are driven to do what they do. Well, I think, and I think you're right, but I think it's, I think there's two issues. I think people point to mental illness because a lot of those people who are really staunchly Second Amendment, what they need to believe is that the person who committed that crime, that atrocity, is worlds different than they are. So if they can label them with some sort of mental illness, therefore that person is different. And I would never do that because I'm not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. So you've built that wall of security around yourself. But I think it's also that 
whenever anything like this happens, you have a bunch of people pointing at singular possible solutions. Mm-hmm. And that's not it. We, we can't just tighten gun regulations and every problem is fixed. Similarly, we can't just ramp up mental health and every problem Let's is fixed. Let's round up everybody who's mentally ill and give them drugs and that's going to solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, and then, oh God, there's the... There's the the argument that if we if we put tighter gun regulations in place, the criminals will still get guns because they just will because that's life or whatever whatever. The I think is. the discussion needs to start where okay, let's we have to start somewhere, and we have to start somewhere. We have to take steps to 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 prevent this from happening again and. Um, some kid posted a photo of himself. It's getting retweeted quite a bit this this morning on Twitter. Some kid in Florida, a 20-year-old, I mean, this he could be fabricating this, but he posted a picture of himself. In, it looked like a Walmart. He's 20 years old. He said, I just bought a gun. My license is expired. And I just bought an AR-15. And he's holding it in his hand. And he was posting as in, this is awesome, or as in, this, this is, is a problem? He was basically like, this is the reality, y'all. I just walked into the store, my license is expired, I'm 20 years old, and I just bought this AR-15, and he's standing there holding it. And, yeah. like, I am extraordinarily anti, anti-gun. Same, yes. I, I don't think that anyone should be able to own a gun, period. It's just, we, we've established this. I know that that is not a reality, just like I know that, you know, people are going to eat meat, right? So, exactly. probably, like... But you have to work to improve right. the situation, given the reality. Like, Farm Forward, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about them. Farm Forward was coming at this issue with, okay, so if we want to treat animals more humanely, knowing that people are going to eat meat, let's come at it from this angle, which is let's make farming better. Let's make the conditions better for the animals. Okay. So we know that people are going to own guns and that they already own a lot of guns. How do we prevent, why not have stricter background checks, longer waiting periods? It, It just makes sense. It makes sense to monitor and regulate these things like we monitor and regulate certain drugs like we monitor and regulate the fact that who can and cannot drive a car like we monitor and regulate fucking everything (laughs) except guns i mean it's just i don't remember when it was but on i and i I saved the the tweet but someone wrote uh it's jess zimmerman on twitter and she wrote In quotes, if you make guns illegal, people will just find them on the black market. Well, it's also possible to personally trap a live wolverine and keep it in your home until it mauls your face off, but we still don't hold adoption events at PetSmart. Like, that that's kind of like, you can own a car, but you can't drive a tank down the road. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's just certain things, I mean, even beyond that, like, you can ride a motorcycle, but if your dirt bike doesn't have proper lighting, you can't drive it. It, It's basic. And for some reason, to the people who are really pro-Second Amendment, 
it somehow makes sense to have a mental health registry, but not a gun registry. Mm -hmm. It is just, it's, for me, it's such a frustrating debate because there's, their arguments just run in circles. Well, they're, so there's never any way to really get to the center uh, of it. I read a, a certain gun owner on Twitter who was talking about the fact that he owns an AR-15 and said that he would happily, happily give it up if it meant that um, this never happened again. And he he's like, if, you, if you're afraid of people taking away your guns because you won't be able to protect yourself, then use your shotgun or your handgun to protect yourself from the intruder. You don't need an you don't need an assault rifle. You don't need a weapon that kills massive amounts of people with, with one pull of the, of the trigger. And he was saying, like, that's the common sense thing here is, okay, then let's own guns that don't kill as many people. Which, you know, I thought was a, a rational argument coming from, he said he owned, like, you know, 12 or 13 guns. And I... <laughs> I don't know exactly what the gun laws are here in Utah, but I know, I personally know someone who tried to commit suicide when he was 19 years old. And someone found him moments before he attempted. And because he, quote unquote, voluntarily checked himself into the Neuropsychiatric Institute up here, because he voluntarily checked himself in, he doesn't have to have that on his record in terms of buying a gun. So he owns a gun. Wow. He now, he, he, he still owns, he owns a, gun. a gun. He bought a gun after that happened. And then, and then he got a concealed carry permit. Why? I don't know. What the fuck? I, d I don't know. I have, I'd say in addition to the students, I, I've seen a lot of different people who own AR-15 saying similar things or who own similar guns saying similar things like I'm an avid gun owner. I love this gun. It's fun to shoot. I will happily hand it over. Like there's no reason that I actually need it. And I feel like I haven't seen that as much in the past, which is really encouraging. And I've, I've seen some really well thought out and well presented arguments in favor of AR-15s. I understand why people want why them. Why do they want them? I, I think for people who are really into guns, everything that I've read is that they're really fun. One guy, one thing that he wrote, and it was an interesting analogy, is he said for him, and this was actually someone who gave his up, I believe. He said for him, the best thing he could compare it to was owning a car that you modify. It's like some people buy a Honda Civic and love to put a spoiler on it and put a low-rise kit on it and all this stuff. That's fun for them. He said, for me to have an AR-15 and buy a flashlight and put that on and do this, like, I'm never going to use this stuff, but I like the mechanics of it. I like taking it apart. I, I like modifying it and messing with it. I mean, like, Lexton is super mechanically minded. He would probably love to take apart a gun just to see how it looks, how it works. Like, I get that. You have to, there's a certain point where you just have to acknowledge, like, I would think that your fun experience is not more valuable than the lives of anybody, right? especially children. But I do think, I really like the fact that you brought that up. I think that in order to have, to move this forward, 
we need to have discussions like the one like like him explaining why he is own he like he's a common sense gun owner and why he owns that particular gun for I think the mutual understanding between the opposite sides of having a calm conversation about this is the only way that we can take steps towards finding a solution. Like, like getting into the mind of a gun owner. I mean, I, I recently found out that my mother owns a gun. I had no idea that my mother owns a gun. What the fuck? Um, and <laughs> I remain very calm about it. Yeah. Uh, my both my mother and and my father own a gun. My at this point, my brother and my sister could own a gun. Who knows? I have no idea. They're very quiet about it. I know that they keep it locked up, and that they have it for protection. Protection from what I don't know. Um, what I would like to ask is why my if they're co- so concerned about their safety, and this is gen this is coming out of love, like me asking this question. If they're concerned about their safety and they bought a gun because of their concern for that, why have they not pushed me towards owning a gun for my, for my safety out of their love for me? That Yeah, that's a fair question. Like, wouldn't you think that if they're so concerned about their own safety that they would be like, you know, my youngest child who is single and living by herself with her two children doesn't own a gun and can't protect herself with a gun. Right. Or why wouldn't they mm-hmm. buy you one? Like bring you here. We got this for you for protection. It's already in a lockbox, or whatever they go in. I don't, I don't know enough about them, but I, I actually, yeah. and then my former assistant, he was like, we need to take you to a shooting range. Have you ever been to a shooting range? And I'm like, dude, you know, I am totally anti-gun. I cannot go do that. But at the same time, maybe those of us who want stricter gun control need to understand why people enjoy going to shooting ranges, like getting into their minds and getting into the whys of why they are so adamant about owning these things. Yes, I agree. Uh, I have shot a shotgun and a rifle. You have. I, it, I mean, it's been a long, I grew up in the Northwoods of <laughs> Michigan. So people, it was hunting, like that's what you yes. did. And like, I could, I could go fishing with someone every day for the next year and I would still find it boring as all hell. That is how I felt about shooting a gun. Like it's, it's loud. It's, it's just, it's the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. I don't, and, and, and that's not hunting. I'm not a hunter, but at least then you're, you've, you're, tracking something in theory and doing but just shooting at a gun range i agree with you i do think that it's important for people who are anti-gun to get with people who are pro-gun and to try and understand each other's position in a really respectful way but why like to go and shoot at a target and get better at shooting a target i just don't i don't i don't get it I don't, I mean, unless it's like competition or, maybe. or maybe it's, you know, to stop a home intruder, <laughs> but I, oh, yeah. there, there's a, and this, this was several years old now, I think, and it's on Netflix, but the, uh, Australian comedian, Jim Jeffries has a, has a stand up special on Netflix, Jim Jeffries bear, I think, uh, B-A-R-E. And right around the 25 ish minute mark, he talks about gun control. Yep. It was, I think it was shortly after Sandy Hook. Have you seen it? Um, 
I think I have seen it because Australia banned guns after a mass shooting and and they took away right. everyone's guns Port and Arthur. they haven't had a mass shooting since. And his, anyone, even even if you're pro-gun, but you have a, this, an open mind to just hearing a different perspective, he he lays out a really interesting, a really, really interesting take on gun control. And what was that again? And it, and it all starts with his, his thing is if, if, if you're pro guns, you have one argument and that one argument is I like guns. It's a shitty argument, but it's really the only argument that you have. And then he goes into talking about like, look at your, your mom and the gun is locked up, right? For safety. So someone breaks into her house. She's going to have time to wake up, unlock the gun and use it for safety. Probably not. But if the gun is sitting out and loaded and ready, that's not really safe at home. But there's these are the things that don't really mesh up, but that people don't want to acknowledge. Like if it's locked in a safe and the ammo is in the other room, you're not going to have a whole lot of luck if someone if someone breaks into your right. house. So I appreciate the whole safety element, but it, and it, it is a hard, I, I recognize that it's a really hard position for the responsible gun owners and for the people who, who use their guns for, who actually use them. I read one, we have these so many shootings now that it's hard to remember when it came out, but it was a cattle rancher who wrote a piece. I want to say it was after Orlando but I, I don't I don't remember, but he wrote a piece on the AR-15. And he was talking about why, as a cattle rancher, it's a it's a great gun. Because what well, is it groundhogs, maybe? Because groundhogs dig holes and then his cattle step in them and break their legs. So he uses the AR-15 to hunt these groundhogs. <laughs> right? Which is it's catty crazy. <laughs> exactly. But that's exactly and his and everything he said in it, as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, this your whole argument makes complete sense to me that you need this gun, that it works for what you need. It's the best tool for what you need a hundred percent. But unfortunately it's also incredibly destructive and way too easy to buy. And I think in truth, a lot of people like him would be fine with a six month waiting period with a more extensive background like check. A- because they're right. using it for like, real reasons. Or, or a committee that assesses whether or not someone needs this deadly weapon. This extraordinarily yes. deadly, like, military, military-style weapon. Deadly weapon. Like, he's using it for practical purposes and has no intention, and clearly no intention, of using it to, to, hurt, to harm another human being. He's using it to protect his business, Right. Um, from yes. groundhogs, like even just like right. a committee right. that would assess like the usage of this military grade deadly weapon, and and I know and the art people keep making arguments that knives are deadly weapons and bats are deadly weapons and machetes are deadly weapons. Ah, you could beat somebody to death with a laptop. Like that's <laughs> not the issue. I mean, anything can be. 
but that's not the point. It's how, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's how deadly is it? You know, like that's, I think why this discussion comes up surrounding this specific gun, because it's phenomenal how much damage you can do with it versus a knife, versus a knife. for example. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I see these kids and, you know, after each one of these has happened, there's always the refrain, I never thought it would happen to me. There's there was an onion piece. Did you see this? There's an onion piece no, I've written a few years ago. The headline is, oh, oh God. Um, oh, it, think, basically, you know, another mass shooting. Like, there's nothing we can the, do to yeah, stop this. Mass, another mass shooting in the country where it only in the only country where it happens. Again, we can't stop this. It, I, I I'm getting the headline wrong, but it's an onion art. Yeah, it's something like. There's nothing we can do to prevent this as the only nation in the world where this happens or something to that effect. And the person who wrote that article grew up down the street from that high school. Really? Yes. And you you always hear the refrain, like, I never thought that it would happen to my school. I never thought that it would happen to my child. And when I hear that, that really, really, really fucking freaks me out because it's so true. Like I said, my kid... Uh, I send my kids to school every day and I just, you know, you're putting them in the hands of, I mean, God bless these teachers and, and these administrators who are basically a stand-in parent during the day. And what we're asking them to do, what we're asking them to do in terms of protecting our children is just insane. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it is. I mean, you say that like it could never happen here or I can't imagine it this way or I mean, shit, I dropped Lexton off at school to a pretty heavy police presence. Mm-hmm. It's super fucked up. And someone, there was a an, art, an article written about, well, what we should do is we, every school should have metal detectors and every school should have a complete security like team. And someone was like, okay, so let's send our children to basically fucking Rikers Island. That's called prison. Let's send our children to prison every day instead of common sense gun control. That makes total right. sense. Yep. Yeah, make make school a really weird experience so people can own guns. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. I can't think of anything in my life that I value enough to say, no, I'm going to keep this. I don't care if people are dying. Like... 
When I was on the phone with the secretary of my psychiatrist, I called her, I believe it was the day after the shooting. And when I called her and she said, you know, sorry that there's a six month waiting list. It just hit me like, this is, this is America. This is the deadliest school shooting in history. And people are immediately turning to mental illness. I call for a pediatric psychiatrist and there's a six month waiting period. I also don't have health coverage to cover the cost of it. This is America. This is the country we live in. I I tweeted about it, like sitting at home, trying to understand. I don't remember exactly what I said, but basically trying to understand, you know, what happened in Florida while calling to try to understand my massive medical bills. Like in the same day. And, and I have, I have, clients around the world. And I was talking to someone, I had a meeting with someone in the UK and was kind of relaying this information just generally to her. And she can't even wrap her mind around how it is possible. And I'm not saying that things are perfect in the UK, but it's like beyond her grasp to understand that environment. Yeah. There was someone in New Zealand said, Hey America, we have all of your violent video games. We have all of your obscene rap music. And guess what? We don't kill each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's... (sighs) And it... Oh, God. There's just so many unproductive arguments. I'm, I'm most sick of the one that even if we have tighter gun control, the criminals will still get guns on the black market. Because first of all, I'm pretty intelligent. I don't know that I could figure out how to buy a gun on the black market, to be totally honest with you. And second, a lot of the people who have committed these mass shootings are not quote unquote criminals prior to committing these mass shootings. Like they're not like career criminals who then carried this out. So we're not exactly talking about criminals who are really familiar with the black market that want a gun. We're talking about Pretty regular people. So it's a ridiculous argument. But I mean, it's it's ridiculous on its face because it's like, but why are you arguing with making it harder for them to, to get that gun? Why are you arguing why are you arguing against just, just making it a little more difficult for a twenty year old to go buy an assault rifle? With an expired expired license. license. Why are you arguing against making that a little more difficult? I I don't remember when this, when I saw someone write this comparison, I had never thought of it this way, but it's interesting. There's not a hundred percent overlap here. I get it. But many of the people who are pro second amendment and saying that banning guns will not stop this from happening also tend to hold the belief that banning abortion will stop abortion. Right. So those don't really line up. I mean, do you see like, Oh yeah. It, but you can't like, they turn that, they turn, I don't even know how to talk about it. They turn that argument around on, on the, on us and say, well, you, you believe that if, uh, that if we ban abortion, you believe that women are going to find a way anyway. That's what they, that's, that's their counter argument. 
is that women are going to find a way to get an abortion anyway, so banning it is not going to work. That That's their argument. But they still want to ban it. Yes. That's what I mean. Like, they still want to ban it because it will help, because in their mind it will help. I, I mean, I haven't seen anyone on the let's get tighter gun regulation front say this will prevent it from ever happening again, ever, period. But it will greatly reduce the likelihood. It will greatly reduce the number of casualties. It will, it will help, which is the whole goal of it. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, it would be great to just have some sort of situation in place that this never happens again. But that, that's not reality. No, but I really am inspired by these kids. And again, I do think that this is a watershed moment. I think hearing them talk and hearing them and the passion and what they're like, I, I really truly believe I'm following like six or seven of them on Twitter. And man, are they smart. And man, are they, are they not taking any shit? That is so encouraging to me. These people that are criticizing them. I mean, the kids are basically taking to Twitter and they're like, you weren't there. You don't know what it was like. Shut exactly. Up. Like that's, they, they, they don't even, they don't even budge, which is amazing. And they're calling for um, a march on Washington on the 24th of March. And a school walkout in April, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm considering, hmm, maybe, I'm considering going to Washington <laughs> to participate in this because I really, really, this is a huge issue. I, this is a big issue for me. I don't know why, but it is. Well, of course I know why. Duh. Because it has to be. <laughs> it has to like, be. Like, it has to be a big issue to everyone because it's not just in schools. It's not just at concerts. It's not just, it's it's everywhere. And something has to give. It, it's the, wor- I, I guess it's part of the world. I don't want my children to inherit this world. This this part of it. But they they will. I know. I mean, ultimately it's them who will have to fix it. Mm-hmm. And they are. They're leading, oh, yeah. they're leading the way. I mean, you have you have high schoolers getting interviewed on live TV after laying beside their friend who got shot who then died later. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're being interviewed because they believe that change is needed. I don't know if I would be strong enough to do that at 33 years old. Mm-hmm. And they're in high school and doing it because we haven't been able to get our shit together. Which is really encouraging and incredibly disappointing at the same time. I, I, I don't want to reduce it to this, but there are so many old white men in, in, the, in Congress that, are, that run things that have Not all white men, Heather. <laughs> not all white men. Not there, are all a whole, white there are a men. fucking whole bunch of old white men sitting in Washington with a worldview that is 50 years old making decisions for uh, for everyone else. And the next generation doesn't fucking care who you love or how you love. One, number one. Second, my, our, our children's generation is far, far, far more aware of social issues than we ever were. And Oh, definitely. They are, em- they are emboldened by all of these tools that we have given them, too. I mean, all of this technology, th- th- those kids taking to Twitter, it was just, it's a movement. And I, I think once we get all those old, old white dudes out of Washington, 
<laughs> this next generation, you know, if they can get political, if they can, if they can get into office, they can make, they can make change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The change that we were all hoping was going to happen in the election. <laughs> I mean, it's change though, that should have, should have happened five years ago and 10 years ago and 20 years ago. I mean, it's change that has been needed for a long time, but again, it's the old white men that have prevented it from happening. In part, because I think you're right, like they're stuck in this old world view. In part, it's the money and the influence of places like, of organizations like the NRA. I mean, I think there's a lot that plays into it. My friend posted this really, really interesting argument on on Facebook, and she was like, most of the contributions from the NRA to uh, people in Congress, to senators, and comes from, I don't believe the NRA itself can can give money. It's actually members of the NRA who are give, who are donating money to these senators and in congressmen. the name of the NRA? Or how, how does that work? Yeah, they're basically okay. members of the NRA in, in the name of the NRA. They're like donating like, she said like the average person was donating like $35. And it adds up very quickly because this is their issue. The issue is gun control. And so all of these NRA members are donating to Congress and to, to Senate. And and she was like, what if we had an organization, just a singular one, one singular organization that is for common sense gun control that could combat the NRA? And in the name of this one organization, we start to lobby certain members in Washington um, with, through this organization. Like it was a really interesting idea, like this not anti-gun organization, but like common sense gun organization that could... Which is how the NRA started, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was gun safety. That's that's what it was. That's not what it is anymore. No, I know. <laughs> I, like, it's like we need, we need a new NRA to help combat the NRA is what it is. She's like, what if we, we had one organization that became that powerful that that a congressman would want the donations from that specific organization, would want to be associated with it. It made a lot of sense. And people were posting in the comments like, well, there's this organization and this one and this one and this one. And she's like, except that you have the NRA and it's this one singular organization and it's so powerful. We need one organization opposite it that is just as powerful. One, not 50, one. So as in all those 50 basically need to combine. Coalesce. So that they have as much lobbying power as the NRA does. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Maybe we are approaching a time when that's possible. Not that it wasn't possible before, but I think sometimes you have an issue like this that happens in Florida, a tragedy, and a group is formed as a way of kind of fighting back you know, pursuing tighter gun regulations, whatever. Then you have the the shooting in in uh, Las Vegas, and similarly, a group out there is formed, which is good. Like it's great that it's happening. But now, with this spread of information, the, the rapid nature of social media, I wonder if that is more likely to occur now. That all of these groups are out there and realizing, hey, we're doing the same exact thing. Let's join. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, that would be incredible. 
And I did, that's not a criticism to the groups. I mean, there's like mom groups and student groups and all, but to have them all put their weight in one place would be pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Because you hear those numbers like, I mean, over three quarters of Americans want more gun regulations. Mm-hmm. So clearly the support is there. But if it's piecemeal, then it's it doesn't carry as much strength. It needs a leader too. It needs a strong charismatic leader as well. Charismatic and smart and who, who knows the ins and outs of Washington. Yes. Or it needs a leader who maybe doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs. But hey, Obama. Out. I mean, you look at like the high schoolers, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But you look at those students, like they might not know the ins and outs of Washington, but they are figuring shit out yeah, really quick. Exactly. And maybe it's good that they don't know the ins and outs. I don't know. But it's so hard to to go through this. I mean, like we were saying, it's hard to to drop our kids off at school mm-hmm. because this can happen anywhere. But it's also hard to be that age and know that this has happened somewhere and then go to your school. Like, I mean, you tell them like everything's going to be fine. Your school is safe. But I don't know. I mean, I feel weird saying that. I think we've we've said this before and it may just be a change in perspective, but it's almost as if we got, everybody got too complacent with, we thought that we were making change and we thought that we were progressing and we thought that we were making things better for everyone. And because of the election and because what has happened since the election, people are waking up and people are realizing, oh, oh shit, there is so much work to be done. And it was the wake-up call that we needed. It was the fire under our ass that needed to be lit. And I'm choosing to look at it that way because of the actions of these students. Like, we're fed up. We're fed up with this. Like, we, we realize we have to do the work. And so I'm choosing to look at what has happened since the election as the wake, a wake-up call. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're right. I think there's something to be said. I think progress is being made. And I, I almost feel like, I mean, there's that expression, like you just have to get the ball rolling. And I feel like people saw the ball rolling and then thought, well, it's fine. It's going now. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to push anymore. But then it stops. We had a black president. Okay. Right, Whew. right. Well, We're we good. made it. Things are great. Things there's are a great. woman running. So totally new path. But that's not, that's not how, and the, the reality is that even if we push and push and push for the next 10 years and make a ton of progress, you can't stop. Like there's, there's really not a point that you can stop mm-hmm. because it's, I, I mean, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward and that's, it's kind of discouraging, I guess. And I don't mean it negative, but that's just the reality of it. And I just, I, I dread, there's a dread in me now of hearing another person saying, I didn't think that it could happen to me. I didn't think it could happen to my child. That that refrain just scares the absolute shit out of me. Because you don't want to find yourself saying mm-hmm. it. And that's what I mean. That's what's so weird about, you know, dropping them off and saying, I love you. You're going to be fine. It's going to be a great day without, without fully believing that. I mean, yeah, like I, there's something about this shooting in particular that has had like where I have envisioned, like, how would I go on with my life? How What would I do? How would I react if th- if this were, were my child? Um, Like, I keep thinking about that. 
like there's something in particular about this shooting specifically where it's like what how and we didn't even get to this but i'll get to this very quickly um i let lita go hang out with a friend on friday in utah everybody has a half day on friday that's it's just like seriously like Like always yes Interesting. And so she went with her friend to the mall, and then I think they went back to her friend's house to play Nintendo. And I was asking her, because I'd been invited to go see the Black Panther. We had been invited. And then we were, we were going to go to dinner beforehand. And I te- I was texting her to ask her if she wanted to go to dinner with us, and she didn't answer me. So I text her again. No answer. I text her again. No answer. So I call her straight to voicemail. I call her again, straight to voicemail. Three hours later, she sends me a text. And we had a, we had a come to Jesus session that night. And a lot was said that shouldn't have been said by a certain party. That was not me. Um, But I, I I completely communicated to her, like, listen, it's not that I don't want you to have a good time. It is that I am worried for your safety. Your phone is on you so that I know where you are, so that I can communicate with you. All I am asking you to do is to respond when I try to communicate with you. That's it. I just, this is all about the fact that I love you. Which would have taken, no thanks, mm-hmm. we're going to get dinner at the mall, I'm, whatever. I mean, it, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. to respond we are we're good now she understands she knows that if she does it again that i'm not letting her go to the mall with her friend because <laughs> i have to know where she is yeah so parenting we went back to parenting good okay yeah we came full circle but full that circle. but to your point i mean things like this happen and i feel like those moments then become even more worrisome Oh yeah, three hours. She, she that's uh, a long time. She was, I mean, she, she was like, "Well, no, it's actually only two hours and forty minutes." And I was like, "It was three hours. Oh three hours. God. I had no idea where you were." I love that she had like a timestamp on it. <laughs> Good God, that's probably the worst fight we've ever gotten into. Someone told well, you me made it till fourteen. Someone said, "You know, wait till 14. when it hits at fourteen, And holy shit, were they right? Holy shit. We're okay she now. She didn't waste any time either. I mean, it, she's like weeks into that <laughs> She's that a age. week into it. <laughs> God. But we're good. So get ready. Buckle up. <laughs> she apologized for some of the tone that she took with me. I'm Southern and I don't allow a certain tone. Just say that. <laughs> the way you said that was also very Southern. So that worked out. <laughs> I'm Southern and I don't allow certain tone. <laughs> I even said to her, my dad would have slapped me if if I had ever dared say something like that to him. I'm not going to slap you. I'm just going to tell you, do not talk to me that way, young lady. Right. I'm going to tell you that I would have gotten slapped. <laughs> Three hours. Yeah, I would have. Uh, and, and she was out. It's not like she was at someone's house that you could call or call the parent. No, or... she was out. Oof, yeah. We talked about it. We talked about the shooting. We did. And there's a, a lot more to be said. We would love to hear from you, too, about it, about your feelings, your conversations with your children. From either perspective, 
even if you if you're a happy gun owner and you have something to add that is not just an attack like we want to hear it we want to hear it we want to have this conversation we want it to be civil we want to move yeah. forward we don't want we just don't want m- more people to be be killed so definitely you can reach out to us on email as always at stories at manicramblings.com or you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at manic ramblings answer your text messages <laughs> put the find your phone on your children's phone and hopefully we're all safe in the meantime many thanks to tan lines for the soundtrack to lisa congdon for the cover art and to ryan coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.